Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. We're hearing from the relationship experts from the Word of God. And... (laughs) This is interesting, darling. You... Anyway... Okay, Paul and I have been married for 32 years, and he loves to interrupt me when I'm talking. <laughs> it gives me a right to do that. And uh, we're not sitting here saying that we're experts. We are on a journey, and we're learning and growing like all of us. But we are looking at the Bible, and we're looking at um, a guy called John Gottman. John, the Gottman Institute talks about a whole heap of good things about getting your relationships healthy and keeping them healthy. So the first point, my first point today is in marriage that fondness and admiration are crucial in a relationship. So the quality of our marriage relationship can be brought down to this very, very simple thing, our friendship. It's all about the quality of our friendship and how we maintain our friendship our intimacy, our emotional connection, it all stems out of our friendship. Obviously, there's lots of ways of um, having that intimacy and emotional connection, knowing a lot about each other, building each other's emotional tank. Uh, But one very crucial way is by communicating affection and respect in small ways often. So affection, a touch... A kiss, we won't do that. <laughs> a hug, a welcome home. I like to make sure that the dogs, the dogs, we have two dogs. And um, when Paul comes in the door, they are ecstatic. They run, they jump, they bark, they yap, and they're very excited for him to be home. But they can't beat Melanie. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I don't yap, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> I like to make sure that they're not the most welcoming uh, part, most welcoming party that Paul gets when he comes home. So a, a welcome home. Hey, you're home. That doesn't work. Um, a handhold. That's affection. And then respect, you know, checking in with each other, not just assuming. Even if I am 99% sure that Paul is cool with something that we're going to do together that he doesn't know about yet. <laughs> I was just saying to him, babe, this is going on. You happy for me to sort it? Because we respect each other and we want to make sure that we're going the same direction. And vice versa. So when we look at our spouse, think about our spouse, talk about our spouse, we can develop a habit of having a negative mindset. Scanning our partner's mistakes looking for them, and you know what? You'll find them. You will find the mistakes. You will find... And, and all that that does is make us feel irritable and annoyed with them. What a surprise. Isn't that a surprise? Studies have shown that if we are in a negative cycle, a negative mindset in our relationships, it will actually distort our reality. In other words, we will not see things clearly. We can even begin to see something that is positive that our partner is saying or doing as if it's negative. Isn't that interesting? 
In fact, 50% of the positive things that they're doing or trying, we won't even see because of our perspective, because of our negative mindset. Matthew 6 says this, it says, your eyes like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, if you are in a negative pattern and negative mindset, your whole body is filled with darkness. And that means you will not see things clearly. We won't see it clearly. So rather than focusing on the negative, we don't pretend the negative doesn't exist. That's not what we're saying. But rather than focusing on it, instead we can look to what's going right. We can begin to appreciate what's going right. And we can build a culture because relationships are all about building a culture. We can build a, a culture in our relationship of appreciation, respect and affection. And this makes all the difference in our relationships. And if we can get specific, actually get specific with our appreciation, not just our thanks, but get specific, it will build our partner's emotional tank even more. An example, um, find some positive things about your partner and something that demonstrates them. And don't just keep it in your brain, let it come out of your mouth. Say it to them. Honey, two weeks ago when I had my birthday, um, I was totally blown away. In fact, probably the most blown away I've ever been in our 32 years by your generosity and your thoughtfulness and all the beautiful things you said. And it, it really touched me, so thank you. Thank you, and it was my pleasure. That's an example. And it's true. It's the truth. I didn't make that up. It's true. Um, by the way, Gottman, G-O-T-T-M-A-N, they put out uh, a free app called Got Gottman Cards. And, uh, you know, a lot of most marriages spend more time and money getting their car serviced in a year than they do getting their marriage worked on. And so uh, just those cards you'll find very helpful if you're into uh, helping your marriage stay strong. Okay, I'm talking about laughter here. Uh, laughter is included in God's blessing. Whenever he talks about blessing, there's laughter mentioned. When the Lord brought back the captives from Zion, they were like people who dreamed. Their mouths were filled with laughter. And the Bible talks about you weep now, but joy comes in the morning. Your mouths will be filled with laughter. You will laugh. You shall laugh. God promises that. Uh, God uh, laughs at his enemies. He's so secure. Laughter is an indication of your sense of confidence. I'm, I'm, uh, everything's fine. I don't have nothing to worry about. God is very confident. And that confidence is in us. Some Christians act like the more Christian you are, the more serious you should be. I am such a strong Christian that I've got deep joy. Hello, 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 hello. There's deep joy down there somewhere, folks. <laughs> Proverbs 15, 13 says this, a joyful heart makes a cheerful face. If you don't have a cheerful face, I'm sorry, you don't have a joyful heart. Because a, cheer, a joyful heart, a heart filled with a genuine sense of joy of what God has done, comes up, bubbles up, it comes out on the, on the face. The face describes what's going on in the heart. We need to be joyful. And therefore, the, the joy and the cheer, good cheer, will come out on the top. Proverbs 17, 22. Laughter does good like a medicine. 
God is not joking when he says that laughter does good like a medicine. He's saying it actually makes you healthier when you laugh. It literally improves your health to laugh. So laugh. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. <laughs> it was almost convincing. One, two, three. <laughs> oh. Laughter relieves stress. Everyone feel the stress just disappear then? It elevates your mood. It makes you more resilient. And laughter is good for you as an individual. It's also good for your relationship. It's also good for your organizations. There should be laughter. A sense of humor is unique to humans as in terms of the animal kingdom. It's part of being human. So if we lose a sense of humor, we lose a sense of human. We need to keep a sense of who we are as humans by laughing. We need to enjoy our relationship and make sure there's laughter injected into the relationship. I didn't get married to Melanie so she'd have a boring life or that I'd have a boring, dull, serious life. Or we married because we thought we'd, we'd enjoy life together. So let's make sure we do. People like laughter. Humor will attract people as long as it's not hurting them, which is what we'll talk about in, when we talk about criticism. But if you can help your spouse to laugh, you will become more attractive. If you do not help them laugh, you will be less attractive. So help them to laugh. Joking with someone builds bonds of friendship with them. Humor can diffuse a serious situation. You know, a lot of uh, small people that I know going through high school and since then have been people who've developed an amazing sense of humor because they've been able to defuse dangerous bullies with joking around. And they've avoided getting hurt because they've made them laugh because humor diffuses some situations and the same thing can happen so uh, when the guy leaves up the toilet lid over and over and it becomes a serious issue then you can just inject some little flavor in there by saying well at least I remembered to take to lift the lid up before I use the toilet okay didn't find that very amusing at all Bob is annoyed, annoyed at Sue because she's spending... Oh, that was a... Did you get that? A little, little touch. This is the last thing I'm going to say. Uh, I've run out of time. Uh, Bob and Sue, she's spending too much money. She's just bought another unbudgeted item, a vase, and Bob says, I'm annoyed about that. And she says, okay, I'll, you're right. I'll stop. I'm not going to do that anymore. And just to so, show you I'm serious, I want to buy you a watch. Over to you, darling. She was only joking. Thank you, hun. So the, the, the next uh, point is this, to have a great, a great marriage relationship is work at turning towards each other. <laughs> Ephesians 4 says, Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Couples who turn toward each other will have a strong relationship. What do I mean by turning toward each other? I know we just did that, but... Uh, we're going to give you an example. Babe, I really need to tell you something that happened today. Oh, yeah, I, sure. What happened? That's turning toward each other. Or I could say, babe, I really need to tell you something that happened today. Oh, yeah. That is turning away from each other. Or, babe, I really need to tell you something that happened today. No, not now. I'm, I'm busy, darling. Leave me, please. That's turning against each other. So... 
It doesn't have to be an important or life-changing thing that we're communicating with each other. It, any, it can be anything. Studies have shown if, if as a couple you're turning toward each other, just for the little things, it actually will affect your relationship in a real positive way. Yes. Giving each other attention. If we do that, we're actually setting ourselves up for connection, which is what relationships are all about. They're about connection. It's the basis of any relationship. If we're turning toward each other, we're building each other's emotional tank. We're building the connection. So we will catch up at the end of the day, even though we work in the same building. We don't always see or talk to each other much. So we will try, it doesn't happen every day, to have a 10-minute catch-up. And, you know, any news, anything you want to say? Turning toward each other is not always easy, though, is it? Because, as Paul showed... You know, we're on a device, we're watching the footy, we're making something and or we're just not in the mood to drop what we're doing. Um, so f- for me, a hard time to turn toward each other is when I've woken up in the morning, literally, <laughs> and Paul is a morning person. So every morning, it's, good morning, darling, how are you? And I am not a morning person. Amen. <laughs> I am the opposite of a morning person. Give me half an hour to wake up and then I'll be nice. So for me to answer him in a, with, without a grunt, yeah, I'm fine, you know, is, is something. But I'm determined to make the effort, which is what I'm trying to say here. There are times when we won't want to turn toward each other, but it's the turning toward each other that will actually have a really positive effect on our relationship powerful thank you darling and it also is the basis for repairing our relationship which is what i'm going to talk about in a little while tag awesome um the second thing i'm talking about here proverbs 12 13 says fools are headstrong and do what they please wise people listen to others including your wife including your husband wow listening to each other Proverbs 18.13, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. James 1.19, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak. So your ears come first. A listener lets other people speak. Uh, Not speaking is part of listening. You know... There are some people that I speak to, uh, with and I think, wow, you are taking up not just 50%, you're going 60, 70, 80% of this conversation is you talking and you're not even noticing whether I'm interested or not. And we need to, especially uh, uh, some of us, need to monitor every two minutes or so to see if the other person is still conscious. <laughs> are they still interested in what we're saying? Is this, you know, what do you think? You know, it's just something to get some feedback so it's not just you dominating the conversation. Amen. (laughs) Listening is noting the details while someone is speaking, not just thinking, okay, I'm going to say this next. Okay, wait for it to finish. Right. Being genuinely interested is much more important than being interesting. You know, if... Uh, guys, if you want a girl to be interested in you, you don't try and be interesting. Interesting. You try and be interested in them, because it's much better to be interested than it is to be interesting. 
People get bored with interesting people anyway because they're so wonderful. And really, everyone wants to talk about themselves anyway. So if you can uh, show that you're interested in what the other person has to say, they're going to like that. Being interested will result in better relationships than just being interesting. There was a man who attended a lecture by this guy, John Gottman, we're talking about, and he came up after the presentation. He said, look, we're so advanced these days, technology and science. Haven't they invented a pill that I can give my wife so that she's interested in having sex? And John Gottman said, they have. It's called listening. Just let that sink in. Ladies, was your husband awake when I said that? Okay, listening is the aphrodisiac. One more thing. I'm listening, I'm listening. Thank you. Turning towards your spouse, giving words of affirmation, words of appreciation. Darling, you lovely, look lovely today, doing Thank such you. a good job. But most of all, listening raises the temperature to warm. And sex doesn't come out of cold, it comes out of warm. So if you want warm, become a good listener. An interested listener. Beautiful. Um, my last point, one more point after this, uh, Paul's got one more after this, is that conflict is normal. It is not a symptom of a bad relationship. All couples argue. All couples disagree. <laughs> Someone's laughing. All couples have intense conversations. All couples do things and say things that they regret and have to work through. If dealt with properly, every conflict can make our relationship stronger and closer. Every conflict can help us to understand each other, uh, understand each other more, which is exactly what we're after. It can be a mechanism for us learning to love each other better, which is positive. The big question is, how do we best work through conflicts? So I'm going to break conflicts into two different categories the first category is what we're calling perpetual problems. And these, these perpetual problems usually can't be fully solved. Isn't that exciting news? And they are all about the fact that we have married someone who is different to us and basically they're not as perfect as we are. It's accurate, right? Yep. The truth is, if we married someone else, we would still have perpetual problems, but we'd just have a different set. Stats show that 69% of conflicts in a relationship aren't solved. So let me give you an example in our relationship of a perpetual problem. I'm an introvert. I um, recharge by being alone. Paul is an extrovert. He recharges by not being alone. Can you see the perpetual problem we have here? Paul, <laughs> regular, he wants to spend... T I love people. I love you all, but not for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I need to withdraw. Paul would like to spend a lot more time with people in our place than what I would. And so there is a perpetual problem. There's a tension in our relationship that we have to talk about and we have to work through. So I just knock on the door and say, can I come inside the house now? <laughs> and about once a week I let him in. We have to be able to talk about these types of problem. you'll ha problems. You'll have your and, and work out a compromise that works for both of you. 
But that will always be a tension in our relationship. It won't be solved unless I become not me or vice versa. So, but when we're talking about conflict uh, more generally, the relationships that stay strong have one thing that each couple is committed to doing when dealing with conflict. And amazingly, you find this in the Bible. Here it is. Proverbs 15, a gentle answer deflects anger. A gentle answer deflects anger. People who successfully work through conflict are very gentle, very gentle when they raise an issue and they take responsibility for their part of the problem. They are kind and calm. How do you go with that? They're able to say sorry. They're able to accept the influence of their partner and, and have a compromise. They're, they're moldable and adaptable. They're not, I will not change. They don't see conflict as an opportunity to highlight the defects of the other person. See, if we're stuck in that negativity that I talked about earlier, it probably means that our friendship which I also said is the basis of our relationship, isn't working well. And we'll be guarded and we'll be defensive when conflict arises because our friendship's not strong. On the other hand, if our friendship is working well, then we're less guarded. I'm less guarded and more interested in what my friend has to say. If my friend comes to me and says, Mel, you know, this is how I'm feeling about this issue, this conflict, I'm way more open to my friend than I am to someone I don't know because I know my friend has my back. I know my friend cares about me. And if, Paul, if our friendship is working, then it, it, the Bible says in Proverbs that faithful are the wounds of a friend. And so, um, yeah, the friendship is important and I'm going to hand over to you to finish off this conflict thing. Thank you. And you are an expert at what John Gottman calls the soft start because where you start a relationship, uh, an argument, it's usually how it finishes. If you start hard, strong, nasty, it'll usually finish that way. Melanie comes in very softly and gently and says, that outfit is not really going to work for the photos that we want to take. Or she'll even be more gentle than that, which is great. And so I can take it. For 50% of the time. Okay, so I'm talking about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. In the book of Revelation, the end of end times is preceded by the four horsemen of the apocalypse who come in and bring horror, horror to the world. The four horsemen of the apocalypse I'm talking about here are things that are signs of the end times of your relationship, according to John Gottman. And uh, they are the same as taking a can of petrol and pouring it on the argument. And it doesn't do much good. The first one, criticism. Criticizing a person's character or motives in particular. So if you come home and you're expecting a, a tidy house and it's not a tidy house and you say, this place is a pigsty, you disgusting slob. <laughs> Hands up if you think that's a soft start. If you, if you come in and say, well, you know, I'd really like to come home. It's, it's important to me 
to to come home and find the house a little bit tidier. Is that okay if we can talk about this? That is a soft start. It's a better start. And criticism tends to push someone into the corner. Proverbs 11.12 says this, It is foolish to belittle your neighbour. And that word neighbour in the Hebrew can be translated lover. Don't belittle your lover. Don't put them down. Don't, don't sling mud at them. It's foolish to do that. The solution is to use an I sentence, as I said. I'd be so happy if I was able to come home and find things just a little tidier. It'd be great. And then, of course, you uh, pile on the, uh, celebrate and pile on the reward for any improvement. You don't come and find the one thing that isn't tidy. You find the one thing that has been tidied and celebrate that. Because you can train a rat to go through a maze by rewarding positive movements. You don't reward the positive movement, you don't get the change ever again. And some people will come in and and the tables have been tidied, there's still a bit of rubbish on the floor, and they get upset about the rubbish on the floor. You You need to celebrate, wow, you've done such a great job with the tables. That sort of attitude will produce defensiveness, which is number two horseman of the apocalypse. Defensiveness is when you... Uh, blame everybody else and uh, it's not my fault I was tired I had things to do I was on the phone there's things going on I didn't notice that there was a problem why was such a big deal you're always picking on me and this is defensively pushing it all back the solution to defensiveness is taking some responsibility and say you know what you're right I need to make some changes number three horseman is contempt and that's when criticism starts turning into name-calling mocking, uh, treating the other person as lesser, inferior. It's sneering at them. It's eye-rolling. It's sarcastic comments and it's the most deadly thing we can do is start moving towards contempt. Eye-rolling is something we made a decision about when we were first married. In the first year of marriage, we're not going to be an eye-rolling zone. This is an eye-roll-free zone. Eye-rolling is in every culture of the world interpreted exactly the same. It's contempt for the person who just spoke or acted. That is what eye-rolling equals in humanity. So get it out of your marriage. And Matthew 5.24 says this, uh, 22 to 24, I'll just summarize it. Jesus speaking, he says, anyone who says you fool is in danger of hell. That's pretty powerful words. Anyone who says you're an idiot, to someone is in danger of hell. That's how God views contempt towards another human being. He doesn't like it. Solution is to always do what Melanie's been saying, build a culture of appreciation. This is my friend. I want this relationship to continue. I'm not going to put that in jeopardy. I'm going to have words of appreciation and respect always and be kind and tender-hearted. The last one and uh, we're talking to a counsellor in this church just a moment before the service saying this happened. This is the last step to a uh, four-apocalypse kind of situation, full apocalypse, and it's stonewalling. It's when you become passive-aggressive and during the middle of the conversation, someone gets up and walks out. I'm not tell you, I don't respect you enough to give this any of my time and attention. And this is important to me because my family, my father's family in particular, side of the family, was all like this. There'd be periods where no one would talk to each other for a week, for two weeks. 
What was the issue? Oh, someone turned up late for an afternoon tea. And now you're shunned. Shun! You know, keep the window down. Press the button. I'm still here. Shun! Stonewalling is the worst thing you can do. You need to stay there. Maybe have a 20-minute break and then come back. But still, have the window down, have the conversation. I just want to finish by saying that the goal of marriage is not about happiness first. It's about growth. It's the way we grow is by rubbing shoulders with somebody else who's different to us. God's plan for our marriages is that we both grow. I'm no no longer the 22-year-old guy getting married. Uh, I've changed because I've allowed marriage to grow me. And Melanie uh, also, although she was already very mature, when we were married, far more mature than me in many ways. But uh, there we That's go. That's actually not true, but yes. <laughs> it was not. Yes, there you go. So a place to grow. All relationships are a place to grow. So amen. What shall we do? We'll probably get off the stage, but yes. So I'm going to pray, actually. That's how what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. We're going to pray for all relationships in this room. Father God, I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here in this room. And I thank you, Lord, that you know where every relationship sits. And Father, we pray for every marriage here. Lord, especially those marriages that are maybe in crisis or conflict. We ask for your healing oil, Lord, even now, God, to touch every relationship. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we pray for um, relationships between parents and children, between siblings. We pray for friendships, Lord. Father, we pray for those that are not married yet but are waiting on their spouse. We pray for those spouses. And Lord, we ask that you would bring them Father, we thank you that you you are a God in relationship and that you want every relationship to be healthy and whole. And in Jesus' name, we pray for your blessing on every relationship in this place. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.